0: What would you like the power to
1: do? Mobile banking
0: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
2: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs) We start off with a little Mets now and we move into some football because why wouldn't we, right? Week five starts tonight. In the NFL, you got the winless Bears taking on the two and two Washington Commanders. Before we get into the... Giant stuff and everything that's been going on over in East Rutherford the last couple of days. News came down literally like right before we were about to get on the air tonight. And the passing of a legend uh, in Dick Butkus, the former Chicago Bears linebacker, great. Number 51, iconic, legendary. You know, you look at some of that old footage there on NFL Films and him sitting there with you know, uh, the bloody uniform and the bloody hands and the tape and just, you know, the smoke coming out of his face mask. And, you know, when you think about, like, iconic figures, legendary figures in the history of the National Football League, Dick Butkus is on that Mount Rushmore. I'm not sitting here telling you that he's, like, the best linebacker that ever played, but when you think about images, icons, figures, Dick Butkus is one of those pillars in the history of the National Football League. You know, when you think Chicago Bears, you probably think two people. You think Walter Payton, you think Dick Butkus, right? Throw in George Halas, of course, too. But in terms of the playing field, Walter Payton, Dick Butkus, they were the Bears and passed away overnight, according to the reports. He was 80 years old, living out in California there. So thoughts and prayers, of course, to his family. But, I mean, the guy's a legend. And it's so funny because so many of us that grew up watching the NFL and fans of football that remember the game the way it used to be played, right, as opposed to how things have changed now, and I get it. You know, the world is a different place, and the way that the rules have certainly matured over the years and done so in part because you want to make sure that as many guys as possible are able to walk off that field in one piece, and not just that, but be able to live a life after football to where they have all their faculties about them and they can have productive lives. And unfortunately, so many guys that played during Dick Buckus's era and you know, even ones that followed him subsequently, you know, they, they can't make that claim. Right. Because, you know, the game was a lot rougher, a lot tougher back then. You know, the equipment isn't what it is today. You know, the protocols, the, the, the medicine, everything, you know, playing through pain, playing through head injuries, play. You went out there and you sucked it up. That was your job. That's what you did. But the reason, you know, you look at somebody like Butkus, who was, you know, a throwback in the truest sense. This is a guy who played the game tough and physical, and he'd rip your head off, and he would, you know, bite you. He'd do whatever he had to do. You know, and a guy like that, he would have to tailor his game in a major, major way to be able to play in, let's say, the modern-day NFL. But, you know, if you do think back to the way the game used to be and, you know, that footage and the way the fields were all chewed up and, you know, they weren't even green in some of them back then and, you know, those nasty, wintry games – You know, that's what Dick Butkus represented, and, um, you know, anytime you lose one of these legends and these icons of the game and icons of sport, it's tough. You know, he never played in a Super Bowl, of course, no Super Bowl rings, anything like that. Bears were bad for a lot of seasons uh, that he played there, but nevertheless, you know, didn't diminish from him as a football player and just, you know, as part of the Chicago Bears as anybody is, number 51, so uh, rest in peace to the great, great Dick Butkus. Now... On the flip side, and of course, you know, one other thing, too, about Butkus was, you know, a lot of people, a little bit of your, you know, look, I never saw him play. You know, that was before my time. My first introduction was to Dick Butkus was probably on television. You know, he kind of like had a life after football to where he did TV, he did movies, and he portrayed these characters that were like the furthest thing from the guy that he used to be on the football field. You know, the toughest guy out there. You know, he would be on, uh, what was the one where he was the basketball coach on that Saturday morning uh, show, Hang Time or whatever it was called, right, like the high school basketball team, and he was the head coach. You know, So he would turn up in different roles like that, in almost like a comedic type of a role. And that was not him on the football field. But sad, sad news when it comes to uh, the passing of the great Dick Butkus. Now, the Giants. And, look, we've spent the majority of the last two shows – talking about this football team right they had the ugly game on Monday night against the Seattle Seahawks and we ripped them to shreds on Tuesday as you would have to and then yesterday even though we had an abbreviated program because of the baseball playoffs you still had to talk about the Giants because remember that offensive line namely Evan Neal decided to take on the fans and decided to rip them and how dare they boo us And go back to your miserable lives and everybody who's flipping hot dogs and hamburgers, as he said. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. Things, obviously, you cannot do and you cannot say. And even last night, when the emotions were raw and this was still something that was recently happened, you knew that eventually he'd come to his senses. Somebody would get in his ear, whether it's PR, coaching staff, agents, whatever. And you knew he'd have to walk back the comments. The only question was going to be, how long would it take? Well, last night he went on social media and he posted a written apology, which I didn't even read, by the way. Didn't even read. Didn't even read because what's said is said, right? And plus, you want to hear it from his mouth. If you want contrition, if you want remorse, that's something that you're going to have to be able to actually hear from someone. And then use your own judgment as to how he really feels about the situation, which It's obvious he was wrong. There's a lot of things that you can try to take on if you're a football player or a professional athlete, for example. Like, you could try to take on the opponent. You might win some, you might lose some. You could take on the media, right? You might win some, you might lose some. But if you want to take on the fan base, you will have a 0.0 winning percentage for as long as that game is played because you will never win that that bout with the fans never never ever never and especially someone like this who's been in the league for five minutes and really hasn't done anything all that great and if you're judging him by the way he's gone out there and played football for the majority of his NFL career thus far that ain't good and there's a reason why the fans are booing remember fans boo because they want you to succeed They're passionate. They're on your side. They're in your corner. There's a difference between booing and crossing the line. When it gets personal, when these idiots throw things and, you know, hurl these these slurs at players, that's a no-no. That's something you can't do. Booing is fair game. You pay your money. You sacrifice whatever it is to go to these games, to pay for the parking, to pay for the food, the concessions, to sit in traffic, spend your whole darn day and night sometimes at the stadium to watch this team play. And if they don't produce and they don't play like you want them to, well, you know what? You're entitled to boo. So Evan Neal met the media today out in East Rutherford, the giant locker room, as you figured that he would. And for one, he says he's remorseful for his choice of words. I'm remorseful, and um,
3: I definitely could have used a better choice of words. Uh, you know, coming from humble beginnings myself, I never want to belittle anyone, uh, regardless of their financial status or their occupation, so I really just wanted to apologize for what
2: I said. Naturally speaking. And also, he said he was asked, what does he want the Giant fans to know about his character?
3: I want the fans to know that... Um, I'm a human, like everyone else. If you ask anyone that's ever been around me, they always speak highly of me. Uh, nobody's perfect, uh, including myself. Uh, and I just want to apologize again uh, for the things that I said yesterday, because um, you know it's unacceptable, and uh, I just couldn't use a better choice of words.
2: Look, and, and Evan Neal, and look, I don't know Evan Neal. Okay, I've never spoken to him in his brief time in the National Football League. I've never heard anything bad about him. You know, the people that cover the sport. You know, Jordan Renan's going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock in his weekly spot. You know, we'll ask him that question. Evan Neal, bad guy? Hear any negative things being said about Evan Neal? Most people, probably not. I hadn't heard it, right? Now, his play is a different story. But how he conducts himself and how he acts as a person is a completely different topic of conversation, and one should have nothing to do with the other. Now, Saquon Barkley is the elder statesman in that Giants locker room, right? He's been there for a good number of years. Even though he's not a quarterback, he's considered a leader in that room. So when Saquon says something, people take note. That was one of the reasons that, you know, Giants felt they had to find a way to keep him this offseason, even though they didn't want to overpay, but they still felt important to bring him back. And one of the reasons also the fan base felt that the Giants maybe should have been a little bit more generous in what they could offer him and what they could pay him. But Saquon today decided to offer some words of wisdom and some advice for Evan Neal. Take a listen to Saquon.
3: I don't want. I think you got to problem for owning up to his mistakes, owning up to taking accountability for for what he said and apologizing. The advice I would give to him and any other teammate: never pick a battle with the fans. You're never gonna win that one. They've been here before, so they're gonna be here after us, and that's that's the that's just the truth. Do I think what he said was wrong? I think he could use his words differently. But in some cases, he's right. Knowing that you're getting booed in this, and basically how I took it outside of like you know whoever one the hamburgers and stuff like that, he definitely could have chose his words definitely there but at the end of the day we're all we got and we got to do better on the football field we got to perform better because at the end of the day it's an entertainment business and we got to put a party out there for the fans to be happy about but you know when they're booing and when everyone in the media and saying this saying this about you it's like we're all we got and that's the reality of it i think tib said it two three weeks however long ago it was when, when he was saying social media this and that third and we see all that and we're aware of it and fans are going to Rightfully so, they're going to boo. They're going to have their opinions. You guys are doing your job. You guys are going to say negative things or positive things about us, and we just can't get too caught up into that. So that would really just be my advice is just keep the main thing, the main thing, just focus on what we got in here because at the end of the day, we're going to be only ones, like I said earlier, to get us out this funk and get us out this adversity, and that's lean on each other, trusting each other, having each other's backs, and that's what we're going to continue to do.
2: Bottom line, you know, Saquon said it perfectly. He might not be helping too much on the field right now, but you know what? Off the field, he hit all the right notes. And the most important part of that, like we were saying yesterday, is what? Fans are going to be there long after you're not longer wearing the uniform. When Evan Evan Neal is no longer a member of the New York Giants, and maybe he's playing someplace else, still going to be Giant fans. So the same guy who's going to go to MetLife Stadium the next time the Giants are home, and he's either going to cheer, he's going to boo, he's going to be indifferent, whatever, towards Evan Neal and the rest of that team. You know what? He's been a Giant fan a lot longer than Evan Neal has been a Giant player. And he's going to be a Giant fan a lot longer than Evan Neal is going to be a Giant player. It's just how this thing works. And just like Saquon said, you're never going to win the battle with the fan base. Now, fallout-wise, what does this mean for actual football? And what does this mean for the Giants' season? Which is hanging by a thread right now at 1-3. Hang him by a thread. And not only that, you've been non competitive in three of the four games. And if not for a second half miracle in Arizona, you might be 0-4 right now. And really, you might as well be checking Tankathon and draft positioning. And in a couple of weeks, you know what? After Miami and Buffalo trips, Giants might be one in five. And essentially, if you're a fan, instead of booing Evan Neal and everybody else, you're probably going to be looking at tank as to where you're going to pick and how you're going to find your new quarterback potentially. So he owned up to it. And probably, I guess, the best thing that you take away from it, if you're in that locker room and you see the way that this whole thing kind of spread like wildfire, learn from it. And don't take on the fan. The hell with the media. You want to fight the media, fight the media. I not care less. But don't take on the fans. That is a battle not worth fighting in the least because you're not going to win. You're
4: not going to win.
5: Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
2: This is the Dan Grasse Show on 98.7 ESPN. Down at Florham Park today with the Jets. Of course, they are continuing their preparation for the Denver Broncos coming up this weekend. So we'll have some thoughts about that. The quarterback spoke today, as did the offensive coordinator, as this game is affectionately being termed the Hackett Bowl, with Nathaniel Hackett trying to exact some revenge on the team that sent him packing last season when he was the head coach for the Denver Broncos, on top without all the comments that Sean Payton made about the club before he arrived. And they're not exactly off to a swimmingly start for 2023 either so look winnable game for the jets as we know but they got to execute and they got to play like they did for the majority of sunday night we'll talk about them a little bit later on let's start it off though on the phones with our pal manny and flushing get a bad lead off here on 98.7 espn manny how are you i'm good man how you doing my man good manny what's going on no nothing much listen um rest in peace
6: to mr buckets i mean i was not like you i wasn't alive when he played but i heard about him the first time i learned about him was watching him on NFL Live with his other teammate, the late great um, Gil Serres, rest in peace, as well. And I had no idea he was in Hancock because I used to watch it when I was a kid when it was on NBC at the time. I was living in the Bronx at the time in the late 90s even though I was born in 94, but I used to watch it along with Inside Stuff.
2: Yep. They had that show for however long it was on, they had a few different people who played like the lead role as the head coach, like it was Butkus, then like um, Reggie Theus. Reggie remember Theus. Reggie Theus? Yeah, he was on it. And there might have been like one other one, too. But yeah, that was it, it was funny because, you know, like Butkus, he sh- you know, the longest yard he was in. He was in that movie Necessary Roughness. He'd been in a lot of like movies. But a lot of times he played like a comedic type of role, which, again, if you remembered the footage of Dick Butkus playing football, like he was the furthest thing from that guy on the field. So uh, that was kind of the irony later on in his uh, Hollywood life, if you will.
6: Yeah, it is interesting because I had no idea. You can say he followed the Jim Brown life. Now, I want to bring in the Giants in this respect. Listen, look, at the end of the day, look, look. I get that the Neil kid was frustrated, but at the same token, you, that's what you saw for. You, nobody likes to be criticized. Hell, you I don't you don't like to be criticized when you can trick other players, but that's the prize when you are a celebrity or even a human being. Once you get criticized, you got to take it. Whether it's necessary or not they just gotta deal with it. And look, I mean, he has to understand in New York, I mean listen, I think New York and Philly are fairly, you know, the toughest thing um, the toughest thing to deal with, especially when they're sports. If you win, they'll love you. If you don't if they don't if you're not giving your your hundred percent, they have the right to boo you. So my advice, don't do it. I mean, listen, I remember a couple of years ago when Julius Renner did that um with the with the thumbs down and the just the F up no they wouldn't forgive him within a year until he got he bounced back and like that i just hope that neil will understand and listen you have a right to be to be upset but don't blame the fans because last time i checked the fans are are also human beings they have sensitivity like you they're frustrated like you but don't try to take it personal i mean don't try to act like oh booing is always a bad thing and i hate to say it but this you know this generation of these young players they don't take criticism that well
2: no well you got to remember, Manny, and, and you hit on a lot of great points. Thanks a lot for the phone call. Get back to us. Remember, it was a couple of years ago when the Mets had that stuff with um, Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor, Kevin Pilar. Remember, they we were doing that, the thumbs down thing? That was a disaster. A disaster, especially when you're not winning. But, like I said last night, when this whole thing started to really take off, Evan Neal, young kid. Not even two years into the NFL. Think about where he came from, right? He came from Alabama. Now, we can't appreciate it up here because we're not a college sports town here in New York. We're not. Football, basketball, don't matter. Like, we're, we're, we're a pro town. We have nine pro teams. More, actually. You know what I mean? So, we don't get that side of it. But if you go down south to some places, especially like in the SEC in Alabama, college football is life. Like, it's college football and then everything else, even more than the NFL. Saturdays in the South are religion. So he goes to Alabama, which is a football blue blood in this country where everybody, as soon as they are pulled from the womb, are raised to be Crimson Tide fans. Well, either that or Auburn fans, you know, but most people, right, Alabama fans in Tuscaloosa where you don't hear boos, you're going to have every single seat sold in Bryant-Denny Stadium. You're going to be playing in front of close to 100,000 people each week, and you don't get boos. The only time you get booed is when you go on the road and play at one of those other sold-out, jam-packed stadiums in the SEC. You're a god down there if you wear the red crimson. And especially a guy like him who was a really, really good player, even though he was a lineman, but he was a really, really good player, accomplished, high draft choice, as we know. He was a god down there, big man on campus, whatever analogy you want to use. So now he comes to New York, which is the worst place or one of the worst places you could go to as an athlete starting your career if you are sensitive to criticism because you have one of two options. You can either go out there and dominate or be subjected to the booze. And it's not even necessarily what you're doing. If your team ain't winning, they're going to boo. And you're going to hear it as well. And you might be a little sensitive towards it. So it's all part of growing up. It's all part of maturation. And I think that Evan Neal, unfortunately for him, learned a pretty good lesson with the whole thing. Let's say hi to Jose and Baldwin, who's up next here on 98.7. Hello, Jose. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. Uh, I wanted to chime in also
1: on Evan Neal uh, because I I work for DHL. And I have half of my customers they they like what i what I do they take care of me, and the mm. other half they don't like that they have to sign for their packages so but if somebody is rude to me, I don't take that to my next customer. I mm. put that aside and I put a smile on my face for my next customer because you know i I don't need that that stress all day i I wouldn't finish my route if i if I kept that you know stress on me so Half of your fans are gonna cheer you, and half of your fans are gonna boot you that's just that's just what happens,
2: especially in new York. but you gotta you gotta you know not worry about that you know you live longer if you just keep pushing that to the side, you know. Can I give you a compliment, jose actually? Sure, I'm actually a big fan of d h l for the way that you can track <laughs> your for the way that you can track your packages online like I think out of all like those delivery places whether it's fedex ups dhl has one of the best tracking systems it's very descriptive they literally will tell you like if if your package like travels around the block it will update it and told you hey your package just run around the block i like that because i'm neurotic when i'm waiting for something to arrive because <laughs> i've had so many instances where like things are not delivered to me and they end up at somebody else's house or they get lost in the mail so i'm a big fan of the dhl tracking system yeah, no doubt,
1: and, and I take care of my customers. You know, if you're nice to me, I'll come back
2: at the end of the day,
1: you know? I'll come back why do you at go back the at the end of the day? Because the they have to sign for it.
2: Oh, they, oh see I, see what that, I see what you're saying. I Okay, I know what you mean. I yeah. thought, like, you delivered something, and then, like, you're going to go back at the end of the day. I'm like, well, but why, why are you going to go back? <laughs> what are you, like a stalker or something? No, no, no. I go home <laughs> to my wife. She takes care of my soul muscles. I there go you go. There, <laughs> there you go. Well, Jose... You keep doing that, my friend. I appreciate the call. There's Jose and Baldwin. He was like, I go back. to like, what do you go back for? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I ordered this really cool uh, game or whatever in the mail. It's like, so Jose's going to show up at night. What do you do, play the game? <laughs> now nah, I'm good, man. It's all good. It's all good. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone. I'm telling you, though, the DHL, Harvey, you DHL guy, you ever order anything with them and have them deliver your stuff? The tracking is second to none. I,
7: I have in the past. I haven't done it in a while, but it is elite.
2: It's elite. It's here on top go. of here, everything. Here are, the, here are the tracking power rankings. Okay, we'll do that right now. This was not on the agenda for tonight's show, by the way, but we're spontaneous. We adapt. DHL number one. FedEx number two. Um, I guess the United States Postal Service number three and a distant fourth. Like, not even on the front page. Like, that's how far down it is. got to, like, flip over to the other side of the page is UPS. Theirs is horrendous. They update the tracking essentially whenever they feel like it. Whenever they feel like it. 100%. Like, you could go go days without hearing from UPS about the status of your package. Days. Can't happen. Should be legal. Honestly. It should be. You should be able to write them up on charges. Like, so if I, if I buy something, and let's say it's shipping from the West Coast, right? UPS will tell you, all right, it's shipped, or they received information about your item. And then they give you the date. They give you the time. They tell you it's out in California someplace. Then you don't hear anything for like three to four days. And then it'll casually just mention, oh, it arrived at one of our distribution centers in New Jersey. Okay, great. Well, what's the next step? When When is it coming to me? Because then there's no guarantee that it's even going to get to you the next day.
7: There was because a time where I got, nope. so inpa- I got so impatient one day. Yeah. I was calling up uh, UPS uh, delivery stores and even a FedEx store one day. And I said, hey, if you have it there, can you leave it there? And I could just drive up and get it. And a FedEx store actually did leave it there, and I got it one, one day. I went to Bloomfield to pick up a, a laptop.
2: Yeah, b- b- so think about that. You had to do the legwork. You had to actually leave to go get something that you paid to have delivered to you.
7: I was so impatient. I was like, I can't have this anymore.
2: And that was UPS?
7: No, that was a, a FedEx.
2: That was a FedEx. Yeah, but, the, right, but they're better than UPS. Yeah, but sometimes they, look, sometimes they make mistakes, but like this, what we were talking about was the tracking. The yes. tracking for FedEx is elite. That's that's number two right under DHL. Agree or disagree. I Feel agree. Feel free to chime in.
7: I agree. I could I could flip USPS and UPS. My my biggest pet peeve with the UPS is when they leave a note. And they say that nobody was at the home for a signature, but they didn't ring the bell to the home. And I got to No, here's pick-
2: the thing here's the thing about the mail, like the USPS. The day in day out delivery that leaves a lot to be desired. Okay, uh, that's that that would be dead last on whatever list that you're making. But what I mean is, like, sometimes you'll order uh, an item or a package or whatever it is, and they'll transfer it over to the USPS. So then you're a slave to their tracking system. And that's what you have to rely on. But when it comes to the tracking system, it's pretty good. Like, they tell you where your item is, where it's going, when it'll be there. Like, they, they update you along the way. I'm one of these, if I worked for one of those companies, I would be the yo-yo on the computer, basically keying in, like, every five minutes, a steady update for where this package is traveling to. Because I would think somebody else would want that. Because I know I would. That's not too harsh, is it?
7: No, I don't think it's harsh at all.
2: No. I mean, no. Come on, it's doing it's due diligence. Country- It's the greatest country in the world. We should be able to provide tracking. Well, not that. Good luck with that stuff.
4: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and Good! Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
2: This is the Dan Grasse Show on 98.7 ESPN. got preseason hockey just underway right now from MSG with the Bruins and the Blue Shirts. And why do I bring that up? Because this time next week on these very airwaves, you're not going to hear my voice. Yeah, that's right. You're not going to hear this voice. You're going to hear Rangers hockey. That's right. Rangers season opener, Buffalo Sabres, Thursday the 12th. Looking forward to that. So it is here. It is happening. And just like that. On to the next thing. And then the Knicks season will be starting right after that. So, hey, we need as much positivity as we can in this town, given the fact that the baseball season was a disaster and the football teams are a combined, what, two and six to start things off. Yikes. Let's say hi to Lewis and Rockland up next here on 987 ESPN. Hey, Lewis, how you doing? I'm good, Dan. How are you? Lou, I'm doing outstanding. What's on your mind?
6: Uh, I just wanted to call and, and talk about the uh, booing. Um, I actually didn't hear what, what the Giants said, said, and full disclosure, I'm not a Giants fan. But just being from New York, you know, we, we do our fair share of booing for our local sports team. So I'm a Knicks fan, and, you know, there, there was a lot to boo there for a few years. But um, I think when we boo as fans, it, it also lets ownership know, like, we're not just booing this fan. We're booing the fact that they're on this team that we love and care about. And, you know, I think as much um, of the booing that goes to the fair, it also goes to either the GM or ownership to let them know, you got to get this guy off the team. So so I just wanted to hear your thoughts about that.
2: Yeah, possibly. I, I mean, look, people are – fans are demanding. Fans want a winning product yesterday. They're going to be impatient because they pay a lot of money. Some of them are a little bit more reasonable than others, of course, but – Look, to each his own. I don't know if necessarily ownership hears the boos and is going to take action and say, oh, we got to get this guy out of here and we got to make changes and we got to do that. I think that not showing up to games, not buying tickets, I think sends a a lot louder message than if you're going to sit there and boo a player. Let's say hi to Matthew in Brooklyn who's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Matthew. How are you?
1: I'm okay. I'm okay. I would feel better if you get, let me, get one minute to get this out because every station I call cuts me off and mm-hmm. they hang up on me because they think like Roger is Kaiser Soce. I want to touch on the Dick Buckus, what you were saying about mm-hmm. how it was a different game when he played, okay? It was also a different game from the 80s to 2000s, right. but it was still football. Mm-hmm. The football we watch today is not football. It can't be football. Roger Goodell, all he talks about is Shield. Meanwhile, he does none of that. We are not watching the best athletes play the sport at the highest level. And I don't know what time you mean by I, that one,
2: though. You mean like there, you, do you think that there's guys that aren't in the NFL because the game has changed? I don't understand what you mean by that. It's,
1: no, what I'm trying to say is if you had to do a five-yard cross knowing that you're going to take a monster hit. Does that make the catch harder for you or easier?
2: uh, uh, Naturally. And, and Matthew, look, I grew up in an era, right, where I remember how the game used to be. And like you said, if you were a wide receiver that wanted to venture over the middle – you would then have to weigh the risk versus the reward of possibly getting knocked into next week. And those were the plays that were shown on ESPN. And, you know, they made... The NFL used to produce highlight videos. I had some of them. You know, back in the old VHS days, the NFL's hardest hits or whatever they would call them, and you'd have guys like Ronnie Lott and Chuck Cecil like knocking dudes' heads off when they would come over the middle. That was a part of football, right? But... There's the cause and effect. And the effect is, unfortunately, that a lot of these guys were really paying for it later on in life. And so the NFL finally got on with the times and said, well, this stuff can't continue. And they had to make the changes. And it's still a violent game. It's still a very dangerous game because you still see some players who are out there today and who are playing in the so-called modern era, who are dealing with some things and who have, you know, have since stopped. I mean, look at a guy like Antonio Brown, for example. Look at how crazy that dude is. And some of these other players who are possibly dealing with some side effects with CTE and brain injuries and head injuries. You don't think that football possibly contributed to that? So they're trying to make the game as safe as possible. Maybe the product isn't what we all remember it used to being. I get that. You know, and that's why, unfortunately, with the passing tonight of Dick Butkus, like we were talking about, like that era that Dick Butkus played, and you see on all the old grainy highlights, those days are long gone. It's not happening anymore. But I would like to think, and I don't have any confirmation on this, but I would like to think all of those, and and this applies for any sport too, not just football, any of those great players, the Hall of Famers, that maybe played a certain way when the game was played a particular way, I would like to think that they would be able to adapt to the times. And if they were playing in this day and age, they would still find a way to be great. Greatness travels. Neil and Weehawken up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Neil, how are you doing?
8: Oh, I am doing excellent. How are you, my friend?
2: Good, Neil. What's going on?
8: Okay, so everyone's talking about Neil and the Giants. I got to talk about something that no one's talking about right now. And it, and, and it could, like, honestly change the way we watch hockey. Um on a Barton Hahn show last night, Alan Hahn yesterday said that ESPN is working on a, a red zone yeah. type show for the NHL. Mm-hmm. Do you realize how amazing that would be? Even like the fair weather fans that are not like sitting down there who don't know the rules. And I mean, I'm old school. I'm Joey Mullen, roller roll hockey in hell's kitchen old school. I know all the rules. I know everything that's there. But to go to like the highlights, to go to, like, all right, we're going out to Edmonton to see a power play with uh, McDavid. Now we're seeing Connor Bedard in his first game. We're going to see Ovechkin watch. Going spot to spot to see the fights Yep. in hockey. And what people don't understand is, like, when you see Red Zone on Sunday, you're looking at maybe, like, nine games on the first batch. We're going to have nine to 12 games every single night. And with the scoring in hockey being up to like a 7.2 goals per game, a touchdown
2: is equivalent to a goal. Do you know, you know how it amazing
8: is? that's going to be to watch? No,
2: Neil, I think it's going to be outstanding, and I thank you for the phone call. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it's going to be available on ESPN+. Plus. I don't know if it's going to be on the linear ESPN. When I say linear, you put on your TV and watch ESPN like you watch anything on television. It's called linear, right? Linear and versus digital. I don't know if that will be a nightly production with hockey because, look, they play hockey every day. Football they only play on Sundays, one day a week, so you got the red zone. But they do the same thing with baseball too. I think it's called Big Inning, MLB Big Inning, that the, you know through the MLB network they put something on as well. I think it's great because there's some fans out there that, for whatever reason, they don't like to sit through and watch an entire game. They like to just jump around and get highlights here, highlights there, fantasy. You have a fantasy team, you got players, you want to see highlights of those guys maybe scoring and contributing to help your fantasy team win. I think it's great. I just, I don't have all the details. I heard about it, but I just need to know the frequency of how often it's going to be on. I think it's great. The more exposure, the better for the sport. It doesn't hurt the sport, free publicity in any sort of way. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any
4: shopify.com slash network
2: this is the dan Grasser show on 98.7 espn <laughs> remember full football friday show coming up tomorrow we'll have buttle on to do a little jets do our nfl picks get you all ready for the weekend the week five action in the national football league and a couple of really interesting games as a matter of fact and That San Francisco-Dallas one on Sunday Night Football is going to be mighty, mighty intriguing. And kind of a, you know, kind of a tier ranking system, I think, in the NFC within that game. You're going to find out, okay, who's sitting at the head of the table and who's hitting just off to the side. Because right now, I think it's safe to say that those are probably the two best teams in the NFC. And depending on what happens on that field, well, there could be even more of a divide between the Niners and the Dallas Cowboys. We'll be all over that game and others on our Football Friday Show mañana. Let's say hi to Griffin in Connecticut. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Griff, now, before we uh, get into whatever you want to talk about tonight, I I will say that I I saw the phone call that you made earlier in the week to to Don and Peter, and, like, you you got, like, two words out of your mouth, and they just jumped right down your throat. Are you okay from that? I'm fine. I'm fine. What happened? That you were off topic, right? Like, what did you want to talk about? Or what did you call him to talk about or something? I wanted to give a shout-out to Ryan Rooker, who I think
0: is oh, ridiculous. Oh, that's
2: right. Yeah, he, Ryan's uh, great. Ryan's great.
0: The way he can do the WNBA, the women's college basketball, the Yankees, and the Nets, and NBA all at the same time is ridiculous.
2: A lot of preparation goes into that. Is
9: it on topic?
2: Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I don't think they meant anything personal. What are we nothing, doing? You know? No, and and, and not to fly off the handle at times. You know that. I'm at a funeral and Griff's anatomy going. <laughs> it. It, was more, it was more
0: because he was he was, up, he was upset about the way his
2: Giants performed, and I understand that. <laughs> I'll tell you, it is, it is true, though. I like to play that line again, Harvey, the one about the funeral, because that was a funny line.
7: I'm at a funeral and Griff's anatomy going. <laughs> Look at it. Look. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, all right Griff so, so bring it tonight what do you got what's the topic tonight
0: um I want to rebound
2: okay from no last week I did not do two really good college picks. oh yeah you went with LSU right and they lost oh my god and what was we the was other the one you had Duke
0: and I was close to winning the Duke close. one
2: close close very close. I talked to my buddy today, uh, Michael Carter II, of course, a former Duke Blue Devil, and he was taking that one hard with the uh, yeah. the near miss last week. All right. So what do you what are, what are we thinking this week?
0: Okay, we're gonna go to the showdown in the SEC between Alabama and Texas A and M.
2: Okay. That's a three thirty uh, Saturday afternoon affair. Yep. Now don't and tell me. We're gonna
0: lay it. With lo-
2: Texas I was gonna A&M. say. Now, how, what are we looking at? We're looking. It's it's a it's a pick 'em for crying out loud. Yep. And you're picking who? I'm picking Texas a and I think what? their defense
0: will make a couple of mistakes for Jalen Miller who has had trouble throwing the football. I expect his defense will make a couple. The defense will make a couple of mistakes for Jalen Miller and I just. I don't know if Alabama's offense is, can
2: keep up with Texas a and I think Alabama's defense is going to find a way to make a couple of plays in that game. I agree with you about Alabama's offense. Bama's offense is kind of rough, but I like their defense. Give me Saban over one of his former assistants any day of the week. I'll respectfully disagree. What's your other pick there, Griff?
0: Um, and my other pick is I'm going to go in the Pac-12, and I'm going to look at Washington State – and UCLA, and Washington State's off to a very good start. They're good. They're good. But this is the first time that I think they're going to be – they're on the road, or is it? where is it? I think it's at the Rose Bowl. It's at UCLA.
2: It's at the uh, Rose Bowl.
0: Okay. Um, And I think because I love the way Washington State is, and I think they are very good, I just don't know if UCLA's freshman is capable enough for this at- for the thing and stuff. So I'm going to lay with Washington state.
2: So you're going to, you're going to take the points then because UCLA is favored by three. You're going to take the points with Washington state. Okay. I agree with you on that one. I agree. I'm not a big chip Kelly guy. You know, they struggled against Utah. Utah was all banged up and they could only put a lousy touchdown on the board there. So I'm riding with Wazoo. I like what they're doing this year, even though that, you know, they don't get a lot of attention up there in the great Northwest, but nevertheless, yep. we'll see if they come true. Griff will, uh, we'll be waiting feverishly on Saturday, but uh, Hey, maybe we'll talk to you tomorrow. Right, bud. Yep. All right. You'll be good. There's uh Griffin Connecticut. All His, right, uh, man. Is this becoming uh, Harvey, is this becoming a weekly thing like Griffin's college football picks?
7: I think he's got a future.
2: He's I didn't even know that was something that we implemented into the show, but I guess it's a thing now, huh? He,
7: well, I am not sure Griffin knows this. I don't think he really cares. I think he's uh, he's making enemies enemies all of a sudden. Why? I mean he's got, he's gone on Don's bad side. Oh. He's out here making he's becoming the new league corso making some picks here.
2: <laughs> you know it would be great if he had like the headgear. <laughs> 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 as you know, that's what we need to do. We need to get like a cam on Griffin. And when he makes the picks he has, like, the mascot heads like Lee Corso does. So he's, like, on the phone right now with us. And then, like, when he picks Washington State, he puts the cougar on his head because he's taking the three points. Or right.
7: he, he just does a switcheroo. He's like, not so fast, my friends. And then he's just yeah, like, right. supposed to
2: another helmet on. <laughs> yeah, right. Not so fast, my friend. Yeah. Oh, Griff's up to tricks, man. Let's say hi to our buddy Wes in East Hanover. He's up next. Wesley, how the hell are
9: you, bud? I'm doing great, Dan, and good evening company. You know, so I grew up in Alabama, uh, so you're exactly right in how when you grow up there, professional football, NFL football is not even on your radar. So it's Auburn or it's Alabama, and I said that intentionally that way because you, you know which way I go. And so it's crazy to me, and so the kid's from Florida as well. He's never known anything different. He went to IMG Academy. It's where the best of the best go to play football, high school football. So he's always been a top dog. But what I learned when I moved to the Northeast is that NFL is king. There is nothing bigger and badder than the NFL. And New York is a tough place to play in any sport. And he's gonna have to toughen up. But my problem with Evan Neal is that he went personal on what people do for a living. And that's just not the way you treat people because of what they do, and so if he doesn't learn it, he's going to be done real quick because his skills aren't good enough to keep him around, and he's not a nice enough guy to stay around, it sounds like, so no one's going to cut him some slack. So that's what I got tonight, and I hope you're doing well, and we'll talk to you later today. I appreciate it. Buddy. Real
2: co- Wes, if I don't talk to you tomorrow, real quick, give me a prediction. Braves fills. Oh, we lost Wes. I know Wes is a big Braves fan. That is a, a brutal second-round matchup, but it's going to be fun to watch if you don't have a dog in the fight with the Braves and Phils. Bottom line, Wes hit all the right notes, okay? But people don't realize, like, think about the biggest sporting event you have in our city. Biggest, think about the biggest game for the Jets or the Giants, whatever, that's played in our city, whether it's a big regular season game, a playoff game, whatever it is. That's about equal to just your average Saturday conference game down in the SEC, down in Alabama. Like, that, like I'm not kidding. Like, it is life. Like, if you ever wanted to, let's say, if somebody calls you up and said, hey, I got an extra ticket for the game, and you flew down to Tuscaloosa, and you could get into, into the stadium, good luck getting accommodations. Because you're not going to be able to get a hotel anywhere closer than, let's say, 45 minutes outside of Tuscaloosa. Like, that's how jam-packed and booked the area is for these games. And that's every week. But you know what? I think he knows he made a mistake. He's trying to walk it back. And he's not a bad guy. And if you're a Giant fan, now you just got to worry about him going out there and playing football like he expected him to be as a top-ten pick. Speaking of the Giants, we'll talk about him a little bit further. Coming up next, our buddy Jordan Renan will join us in his weekly spot. Dan Grass, show we roll for another 60 right here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: I want to rebound.